Right, if you got your Bible, we're going to be back in Philippians, back in Philippians 4. We're winding down to the end of the book. Let's, uh, let's pray before we, before we get started, for sure. Father, we love you. We thank you today, God, for your blessings and your mercies. We thank you that we're able to be here in the house of the Lord. We thank you that we're able to come into your presence, Lord, not because of what we are, who we are, but because of what you made us to be, because of what you've done for us, God, on the cross. We just ask, Lord, you would be with us today in our hearts as uh, the word gets preached today. And uh, in the Sunday school, fathers, we get to come and fellowship together and learn about you. And, and uh, in 1030 service, Lord, where we get to come again and worship you and, and hear your word preached again, Father, we just pray that today you would make this day a, a day where, uh, where our hearts are open to hear your word. Our, our hearts are open to hear whatever it is that you would have for us today. And we ask that you would change us today. We ask that... Uh, today's not going to be a day where we just come in and we're in a hurry to get out and we uh, want to just maybe learn a few things and, and rock on with the rest of the day, but that we would just come into your presence and that we would, uh, we would worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, be with us today as we read your word, as we uh, talk about your word. We pray, God, that you would just guide us and that uh, everything said today would be, uh, be in accordance to your will and be uh, uh, something that would glorify you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In uh, Philippians four, you know, uh, you probably already know we we're winding down. We're winding down the book of Philippians, the last chapter. Paul is kind of uh, he's given us the final thoughts. He's given us the things we need to we need to understand. We've we've saw we've seen in the beginning. We, last week we talked about the first three verses, and we saw that the the center of those verses was a little phrase that he told us to do, told us to be what we're supposed to be doing. He says, "I want you to stand in the Lord." I want you to stand in the Lord at the beginning of verse four of chapter four. It says, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And we talked all about that. And we saw last week about being unified together. Uh, he's right in the middle of this section. We're, we're kind of going to break into this section as we start in verse four. But he's right in the middle of this very practical section of Philippians, uh, where he's gone through the, the theology of who you are in Christ and what God has made us and how we can't add anything to the gospel. And, uh, Jesus has done it all. And I make all my works done and all my religious stuff is done. And I don't count those things because I want to be found in Christ. And now he's telling us how to walk in what we've received. This is not a section. Hear me when I say this, this is not a section that tells us, okay, guys, this is how I want you to live better. It's a section that's telling us how to live in, in what Christ has given us, how to live in the gospel. So when you, when, you, when you leave here, we say it all the time, and it's a true statement, no matter how often we say it. When you leave here and say, you know what, I just have to do better, join the club, we're all in the human race, we all need to do better. But what we're talking about here is living in Christ, living in the gospel, living in what God has made us. And so today we're going to kind of continue in this practical section about how. How do we stand in Christ? What does that mean to stand in Christ? Now, we saw as we uh, finished up in chapter 3, you saw there's opposition all the time. It never takes a break. It never ceases. There's never a ceasefire. There's never a rest period. 
There's never a, a take a holiday. There's always opposition, always enemies. We saw in chapter three, he told us to beware of the dogs, beware of those who walk as enemies of the cross. All that's in chapter three. That's all going to be all the time. People are going to be uh, trying to deny the gospel or add to the gospel or do these things that are going to derail us from standing in the Lord. And we also saw that there's, there's stuff inside me. There's things inside you and me that it's going to be in opposition. My flesh, my heart's deceitfully wicked, and it's going to be all the time trying to rise up and trying to move me off of the gospel. And that's why Paul gave us that long section about, you know, I don't, uh, I don't count any of my, my awesome works as anything but done. I want to be found in Christ. And so all those things are going to be happening all the time. There's always going to be enemies, always going to be opposition from inside, from outside. And so one of the things you saw, he told us to stand in the Lord. And the thing we saw last week was the first, really the first thing that we got to have if you're going to stand in the Lord, and that's you got to be united. We saw that last week with those two, uh, with those two women, and and they were have a discord against them. And this this week he's going to give us some more of the nuts and bolts of what he's going to do. And I I got a whole lot. I hope I can get through around nine o'clock. So bear with me if I go kind of if I go kind of fast. I'm just gonna we're just gonna go from verse four. To verse nine. That's the only verses we're going to try to deal with this morning. So let's let's look at those verses. Let me just read the whole section and then we'll go back and we'll talk about it a little bit. It says rejoice in the Lord always rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse six says, be careful for nothing. You probably have this one memorized, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And then verse nine says, those things which you have both learned, received, heard, seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. That's a whole lot. That's a big chunk of text. And you could probably there's I mean, you could take each one of those verses and just go all day long talking about what it means and all those things. But really what we're talking about, the whole thing is is under the umbrella of standing in the Lord. We're going to talk about standing in the Lord. We're going to talk about standing in the gospel, living the gospel, walking in the gospel against all the enemies that are going to attack, against all the things out there in the world, against my own flesh, against the religious things that want to rise up in me and make me think that I'm doing good and God sure is pleased with me. All of those things, the trials of life, the temptations you go through, the sufferings that are going to happen in this life. If the Lord tarries and if you live long enough, the things that you're going to have to go through, we are to stand fast in the Lord. We're not to stand in our own strength. We're not to stand in our own power. We're not to stand with our own might, because if you do, uh, you can pretty much rest assured that you will be defeated if you're trying to do it in your flesh, trying to do it in your own strength. 
trying to just pull up your bootstraps and, and be a man and go out there and get it. You have to have Christ's power. You have, to have, you have to stand in the Lord. You have to trust in the Lord and in the power of His might. Over and over again, Paul said, it's in our weakness that He's strong. I'm strong when I'm weak and when I'm depending upon Him, when I'm trusting in Him, when I'm walking in the gospel. So the first thing's a no-brainer. Verse 4 says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord all the time. Rejoice in the Lord every day. Rejoice in the Lord every moment. Rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you, you don't think, you know, okay, I got that. Let me move on. He makes sure to repeat it to tell you how important he says again, I say, and it's something that he said over and over again, already in Philippians over and over again, rejoice in the Lord. Now understand this is a command. You are commanded to rejoice in the Lord. I am commanded to rejoice in the Lord. This is not just a, oh, come on, little camper, cheer up, put a, put a happy face on. It's not that bad. Come on, you can, you can think good thoughts. You can just be, be, be happy. My, my mom used to tell me, you know, being happy is a choice. You can just choose to be happy today. And I'm, I always thought, well, what if today stinks? You know, how am I going to choose to be happy? But here it says, it's a command. Rejoice in the Lord. That means all the time. Rejoicing in the Lord is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. You have joy, and that's a feeling that... that allows you to feel joy, but to rejoice in the Lord, that's a choice that you make. That's a choice that you make day in, day out. Today may stink. You may be sick. You may feel bad. You may have all kind of trials. You may have tribulations going on in your life. You may have worries. You may have fears. There's times when you're sad, times when you're disappointed, whatever's going on. It says always. That means at all times, every day, in every situation, in everything, you rejoice in the Lord. You rejoice in who he is. You rejoice in who he has made you to be. You rejoice in the fact that you are accepted by the father. You rejoice in the fact, you know, I, I, I tend to think that Paul, you know, uh, is thinking about what Jesus said. You remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10? He said, you know, that's where he sent the disciples out and they come back all excited about how much power they had and how much they could do and that they were, you know, could tread on scorpions and cast out demons and all those things. And Jesus said, don't rejoice about all these things. Don't rejoice that you got your religion down real good. Don't rejoice that everything's going pretty good in your life and you really don't have no worries if everything's happening fine and everything's wonderful and, it, you know, life is just good and there's really nothing tearing at me right now. I don't have any big worries, any big fears. You don't rejoice in that. You don't rejoice in the fact that you have victory over the world, the flesh and the devil. Those are the things that we do. We're excited about, but we rejoice in the Lord. Jesus told those disciples, you rejoice that your name has been written down in the book of life. I think Paul is remembering that. The reason I think that is because in verse three, the last thing we read last week, remember? When he was saying, be unified, I want you to be unified together. The last thing he said was that you uh, be with those labor, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And the very next word is rejoice. Just mentioning the fact that the names are written in the book of life. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because your name is written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord all the time. Even when things are bad, even
even when things don't seem like they're turning out the way that you might want them to turn out, you rejoice in the Lord because you know he is sovereign over all things. He's the one that's in control. He's the one that is working all things for for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He is the one that lights your lights your feet and is a lamp to your path. I always get those confused. He's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I think that's right. He is the one that's doing those things. So we rejoice in the Lord. And it's a choice today. Whether you get out of your bed, you walk out of your house to go to work, to go to school, to go wherever it is that you go, whether or not you will rejoice in the Lord and dwell on the fact that you have been made righteous, that you have been made holy. I mean, that's an amazing thing. If you know your own heart, that's a pretty amazing thing that he sees me in Christ as holy. He sees me as blameless. He sees me as perfect because of what Jesus did. He says, you rejoice in the Lord even when things are bad. It reminds me, you don't have to turn there, but I want to read to you just two verses from Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a a real short book. There's only three chapters in the Old Testament. And uh, Habakkuk basically has a long conversation with God. And Habakkuk is, is saying, God, why are you doing this? God was bringing the Babylonians against Israel to destroy Israel in judgment for what they had done. And Habakkuk is, is God's man. And he's going, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And God is telling, basically telling Habakkuk, you know what? I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it for the good of my name and my glory. And at the very end of the book, the last two or three verses, he says, this is what Habakkuk resolves to do. In verse chapter 3, verse 17 of Habakkuk, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. It says... Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive tree uh, of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. So he says, look, even if everything goes to pot, if there's no food, if there's no, if there's no anything, if there's no luxury whatsoever in life, if there's no sustenance to sustain me, if I'm starving, if all this is desolate, if you desolate the whole place, basically Habakkuk came to the, came to the realization that you do whatever it is that glorifies your name. And if I have to live through all the judgment that goes on all around me, he says, yet I'm still going to rejoice in the Lord. He made a choice, a decision. That no matter what happens, no matter what I have to go through, no matter what goes on in my life, no matter what I'm longing for, no matter what I'm desiring, no matter what is going on, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And that is one of the things that we we stand in the Lord. It's one of the weapons, one of the, the tools that's in our arsenal to stand in the Lord. When you rejoice in the Lord. Even when things don't seem like they're working out the way that you want them to. They sing that song, I praise you in the storm. They sing the song that, uh, what's the one Kelly sings? The praise, praise the hurt away. Uh, what's, praise his name. Yeah. Even when, even when, even when it seems like you're not getting what you want. Even when it seems like I'm going through things and I don't understand why. You understand if you know Christ, your name is in the book of life. You are righteous before him and he is working all things. We, Brother Eddie preached on it the other night about glorying in your tribulations. That don't even make sense. Glory in my tribulations. Why? 
Because tribulation works patience and patience endurance. And I don't remember all those, but it's molding you and making you into who Christ wants you to be. And we trust in the Lord. Do you really trust in him? I mean, do you really trust in him? If you really trust in God and trust in Christ, we know that he is working things for our good. He he is working all things, even the bad things. And so we can glory in those tribulations. We can glory in the things. We are definitely groaning, as Paul says, for the creation to be renewed and for our, our bodies to be glorified and perfected. We're looking forward to the to Christ coming again and making us like uh, like into his body. That's what it said in Philippians chapter 3. We're looking forward to that reign where it says he'll subdue all things under, under his feet. But in reality, that has already taken place at the cross. It's already taken place in my heart. And we have a hope, which is an expectation of understanding that it is going to come to pass. There is coming a day when all things are going to be made right. There won't be any more suffering or hurting or pain or any of those things. There won't be any more misunderstanding or worry or fear or all those things. We will get to see him face to face and we will be perfected in his presence and in our relationship with him. What we see right now darkly through a glass dimly, we're going to see perfectly. And so we rejoice in that fact. It doesn't matter what goes on. It doesn't matter what happens in everything. He says, rejoice in the Lord. It's a a choice. Now, when I say that, I can already feel the objections. You know, I can feel them in my own heart. Well, that's easy for you to say. You're here. You know, you're not in the hospital somewhere. You're not going through what I'm going through. It's easy for you to say you don't have to deal with all the things I have to deal with. You don't have to go through all the things I have to go through. Really, you don't understand my situation. Well, I probably don't. You may be right about that, but I'm pretty sure Paul did because he wrote this from prison. He wrote this from prison. He wrote it from uh, not really knowing whether he was going to live or whether he was going to die. He was facing execution. And to even go more than that, you remember what happened to Paul when he first came to Philippi? I mean, when he first walked into the town, no church there, no nothing. He just come and began the church. You remember what he did? He found he found Lydia and he started the church there. But you remember what happened? Him and Silas, I should say he and Silas, he and Silas walking through Philippi, demon girl chasing them around, yelling, screaming. What happened? They he cast the demon out. They put him and Silas in prison. At that point, him, he and Silas, what were they doing at midnight? They were rejoicing in the Lord in prison. And the, and the earthquake and the walls, you, you know the story. They were rejoicing in the Lord. So not only did Paul, was he telling them to rejoice in the Lord as he was suffering for the name of Christ. But he had given them an example when he first came to Philippi, when he first walked into the city, they probably knew the story. They probably could, they probably knew Lydia. They probably knew the Philippian jailer that was converted that night when the, when the doors flung open and there was an earthquake and all those things. And so they probably had these folks in the congregation. And they remember the fact that, you know, even when he first came, he was rejoicing in the Lord, even in the prison here, when they put him in prison and did those things. So Paul not only says rejoice in the Lord always, if I came to you and this has happened before and said, hey, you know what? I know you're going through a hard time. I know you're going through tough stuff and 
And you just need to buck up and rejoice in the Lord. Your name's been written in the book of life. You probably would have a good case to say, well, that's really easy for you to say, Jason. But you don't have a good case against Paul, the apostle riding by the by the Holy Spirit, because he walked the walk. He walked what he said. He when he said rejoice in the Lord, it wasn't because, you know, come on, we just know we need to do it. It was because that's what he lived. And it's proven over and over again. It was proven to the Philippians in the Philippian jail. And even now in the Roman prison, he walked what he was talking. He rejoiced in the Lord and he rejoiced in the Lord Always, even when it when he was hurting, you remember those in first Corinthians where he says we're crushed, but we're not destroyed. We're cast down, we're cast down, but not destroyed, crushed, but not abandoned. Even in the midst of all the things beaten, all those times in prison, shipwrecked, all the things that Paul went through. Rejoice in the Lord always. He says, again, I say again, I say rejoice. He's he's rejoicing because his name has been written in the book of life. The next verse says We demonstrate, we demonstrate the mind of Christ is what he's been telling us the whole thing. He says, let your moderation be known. Let your moderation be known to all men. That word moderation, it it, it can mean gentleness or kindness or fairness. It's actually used for Jesus. And for in uh, second Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, I beseech you by the gentleness and the meekness of Christ. And that's the same words used here. The same word is translated moderation. He's telling you, you make sure you rejoice in the Lord and you rejoice in the fact that he has saved you and your name is in the book of life. But you also, you let that be known. You let that be seen in your life. You let your moderation be known to all men. You understand, you, you give Give off the mind of Christ. Show forth the mind of Christ to all people, to everyone who sees you. When you go to when you go to Walmart, when you go to school, when you go to work, when you go to all the anywhere that you go in your homes, in your in your businesses, you show the moderation of Christ, the the gentleness, meekness, the the kindness of Christ. You show that and you can do it even in trials. Why? Because you're rejoicing in the Lord, I'm the world's worst when it comes to when it comes to, you know, if, if something's going wrong or something's going bad or, if, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm worried about something. I'm the world's worst to you. You could just see it all over my face. You can see it all over my face. You can tell by the way I'm walking. You can tell by the way I'm the world's worst at that. But even in the midst of all the things that may or may not go wrong, if you're in prison one day like Paul is or you're being persecuted like the Philippians were or those things, he says, look, your joy is not in what happens to you. Your your rejoicing doesn't come from your circumstances, whether everything's good. And I only can rejoice really when everything's rocking along and everything's fine. Your rejoicing comes from what has been done in your heart. What is true. Whether, whether it, it looks like it's working itself out or not, it's true that if you are in Christ, God has accepted you. You are righteous before the Father. You have your name written in the book of life. And there is coming a day your eternal life has already started. It's already begun and you are basking in it right now. And there's going to come a day when that eternal life is going to be perfected. So you don't have to worry about the flesh anymore. You don't have to fight with sin anymore. You don't have to deal with the world and the flesh and the devil anymore. All that's going to pass away. All that's going to be gone. 
And that is what we rejoice in, even if we have to dwell here until the Lord returns or until we pass away to be with him. There's going to come a day when it's all made right. So he says, you rejoice in that. Rejoice in the Lord and you let everybody see it. Let everybody see your life. The fact that you rejoice in Christ and that turns into wanting to serve Christ and and bear the mind of Christ. You let that you let that moderation in you be be known to all. And he's not just saying he's not just saying, hey, guys, you start living right. Dead gummit. What's wrong with y'all? He's not just saying that he's not saying, hey, come on now. What's wrong? with Y'all pull your pull your pull your bootstraps up and let's get to let's get busy. He's not saying it that way. He's saying, look, the motivation, the motivation for you to let your moderation be be made known is first that you're rejoicing in the Lord, that you're rejoicing in what he's done. And second, it's because the Lord is at hand. I mean, the Lord is near. The Lord is coming. There is there's going to be a time when he shows up. I mean, imagine we've talked about this before. It's amazing. It's amazing when someone knows when they receive bad news. You know, you already know I get to get to work with folks that are passing away in the hospital most of the time. And it's amazing how priorities change when you get news like that. You know, all of a sudden, the things that fill up our lives, the things that fill up our lives with with worries and and busyness. You know, I got to get this done. I got to get that done. And I wish I could. I wish I'm working toward this and I'm trying to get that done. It's amazing how in a split second, none of that matters. It's all gone. It's not important. It's useless. It's, it's temporary. And it doesn't the things I was things people strive for and base their life on and want in. I mean, the purpose of their life changes in a split second when they get news like you've only got six months to live or a year to live. Understand there's coming a time when the Lord returns, when the Lord splits the clouds priorities are going to change in a split second. It's not going to matter how much I went through in this life. It's not going to matter whether I got what I wanted or whether I was the right weight or the right height or the, had the right money in the bank account. It's not going to matter if my kid won the championship. The only thing that's going to matter is have I been rejoicing in the Lord? Have I been looking forward to his coming? Have I been waiting to see him appear? Have I been waiting for him, have I have I taken the talents that he's given me and buried them in the sand or have I used them for his glory? Because when he returns, he's going to judge every man. I mean, it's according to uh, it's uh, once wants to die and then face the judgment. And at that time, it's not going to matter whether you had an awesome stamp collection. It's not going to matter whether you had a hot rod or a nice motorcycle. It's not going to matter whether you had a championship trophy or a bunch of Super Bowl rings or a bunch of money in the bank or a big house. All of that, the things that we prioritize in this life are going to disappear in our mind. It's going to disappear and it's going to be meaningless. The only thing that will matter is my relationship with Christ. And so he says, let your moderation be known to all men, not just, hey, guys, come on. What's wrong with y'all? It's because the Lord is at hand. And when he appears, when he appears, we saw it in the end of chapter three. Our bodies are going to be made like his body and we're going to get to live forever. And it's just going to be 
It's going to be wonderful. But that's our motivation. You ever, you ever, I know none of y'all have, but you ever, you ever kind of took a break at work and then when the boss walked around the corner, you're like, <laughs> it happens. I know ain't none of y'all done that. I saw a sticker one time that says, Jesus is coming. So everybody look busy. The Lord is at hand. He's coming. And when he comes, is he going to find you? Is he going to find you faithful? Not saying, oh, you got to get this high if the Lord's going to accept you. I'm saying none of your other stuff's going to matter. We need to we need to set our affections on things above and let our moderation be known to all men and rejoice in the Lord because nothing else is going to matter when he appears. Our motivate. I mean, what if you always hear the question and, you know, what if he comes in the next 10 minutes? What if he comes this afternoon? But really, if he comes, I mean, what are your priorities today? I mean, if I better not say that. It's like if he comes during the Super Bowl, there's a whole bunch of people going to be in trouble. Anyway, moving on. Verse uh, verse. verse, I'll edit that out of the tape. I'm sure. Verse six says, be careful for nothing. We've seen rejoice in the Lord. We've seen let your moderation be made known because God is coming. God is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And now the question is, are you kidding? Do you realize how hard that is? I mean, I'm not making light of trials and temptations and sufferings and things that we go through. Those are those are tough in people's lives. Those are tough when when you're worried about, you know, it's easy to say rejoice in the Lord because Jesus come and let your moderation be made known to all men because the Lord's at hand. But if today I'm worried to death that I'm not going to be able to pay my electric bill or I'm worried to death where my next meal's coming from or I'm I'm aching over my my children that maybe don't know the Lord or family member. If these things are plaguing you and 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 riding you and your heart rises up and it always the flesh will always give you the what ifs. Well, what if this happens? What if this don't happen? What if it doesn't turn out like you? If all that stuff comes up, I mean, what do I do? What do I do? I, I know you say rejoice in the Lord. I, I got that. But when my flesh is continually rising up and it's continually attacking and continually, as soon as I push it down, you know, I, I don't go 10 minutes and there it comes back up again. And I got to go through all the war again, all the battle again. How do I do what you're trying to tell me to do? He tells us in verse six, he says, be careful for nothing. Careful doesn't mean like be careful. Now you're going to fall. It means full of cares. It's like it's the same word where he says, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. It says, be careful. Don't be full of the cares and worries. Nothing. Be careful for nothing. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be concerned about this or you shouldn't really think about that or prepare for this or prepare for that. It's talking about us worrying and being walking around with our cares, just full, uh, wondering if this is going to happen, stressing over whether or not this is going to happen, worrying and anxious all the time. He says nothing. That means your kids, your family, your bills, your job, your life, your health. He says, be careful for nothing. Don't spend time worrying and anxious in those. And I know that you're saying, well, okay, but really I'm in the same boat. How do I do that? 
He says, in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He uses three different words for bringing your things, your cares to God. Prayer, supplication, and requests. I don't care what it is. Whether it's a prayer that you're hoping for, a supplication that you're asking for, request that God, I need, I just want this. I want you to help me with this. You bring everything. It says in everything, in nothing, you be burdened down with worries and cares. It doesn't mean that you're not supposed to be concerned about this or that. We got that. We're talking about, we're talking about consuming worries. You don't, you, in nothing, Absolutely nothing, but in everything, when you feel that rise up in you, when you feel that the what ifs start coming to your mind, what if this happens? What if that happens? Immediately, your defense to that, your way to strangle the flesh and to keep it from rising up in you is you immediately go to the Lord in prayer, in supplication, in request, and you do it with thanksgiving. That's tough. Do it with thanksgiving. So if, if we don't do it with thanksgiving, what you're doing is just complaining to God, really. Amen. God, I need this and God, I need that. But we do it with thanksgiving. He says, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, present your prayers, your supplications, your requests to God. And then when God fulfills your need, then you thank him. Make sure you thank him. Of course, we're supposed to do that. He says, you present your requests with thanksgiving. You present your prayers and your supplication with thanksgiving. That takes some trust, doesn't it? It's not just lip service. You have to trust that God, even if you don't, you're God and you love me and you're going to do what's best for me. You're going to do what's best for me, what's right for me. Like the Hebrew boys, even if, even if he don't save us from this fire here. We're still going to we're still going to honor him. We're still going to worship him. He says, you present your requests to God in nothing. You be careful for nothing in everything. You present your prayers, your supplications, your requests. Let them be made known to God. And you do it with you do it with thanksgiving. Even before even before they're answered, all things are working for good. So what we've seen really is standing in the Lord. If you're going to stand in the Lord, you're going to be united with the body of Christ. We saw that last week. You will. If you're going to stand in the Lord, there's no way to stand in the Lord if you're not standing with his people, because that's where the Lord is. That's 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 in whom the Lord is working out in the world with his people. You're going to be united with the fellowship of believers. You're also going to be rejoicing in the Lord, in who he is. Not just in what he can do for you. God, give me this. God, give me that. But in who he is. We're rejoicing in our relationship with God. It says we're going to we're going to let our lives be seen by all because God is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And it says and you're going to you're going to present all of your worries and your cares and your fears and your prayers and your supplications and your requests. You're going to present all of those to God. That is an instrument of battle that you have. I don't know if you understand that or if you, if I'm explaining it right. That's an instrument of battle that you have. A lot of times we'll take prayer as, you know, I don't know, kind of like a cliche. That's what you say. Well, I'll be praying for you, you know. You know, when you leave, they ain't praying for you. 
Or it's something that we say, well, you know, you guys are in my prayers. But the reality is that that is that is a weapon that you have against the enemy. That is a tool to keep your heart from rising against you. That is that is something the, the mature Christian, the strong Christian is the one who knows that he's weak. He's the one who knows that he is dependent on God and he can't do anything outside of God's power. He knows that he doesn't have the strength. That's the one who's strong in the faith. That's the one who's standing in the Lord is the one who realizes that I don't have the strength to do it myself. I don't have the will to do it myself. I don't have the power to stand up against all the things that attack me against my own heart. I don't even trust myself. I have to bring it all and dump it right in the lap of God and say, it's all yours. I can't do any of it. I've got to just put it all in you and be thankful of the fact that I'm able to cast my cares upon the Lord, knowing that he cares for me and knowing that the Lord is at hand. And if we can, if we would be desperately dependent on God, rejoicing in who he is, united with his brethren, united with the fellowship of believers, Letting our, letting our weakness and our meekness and our gentleness be seen, our moderation known to all men, and then just presenting all our cares to him, not dwelling on them, not fretting on them, not afraid of them, but presenting them all to him and saying, take all of this stuff from me. God gives us a promise. That promise is in verse 7. You probably know it. He says, you do these. He says, and the peace of God, The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart. It'll keep your heart and your mind. It'll keep it. That keeping is is used a few times in the New Testament about, uh, about soldiers guarding something. It's talking about guarding your heart. It's talking about the peace of God building a wall around your heart and protecting your heart from the flesh and from the cares of the world and from the, the, the temptations of Satan and all those things, the, the worries and the fears and the, the things that, the, that float around us and try to get our attention off of God and try to make us uh, fear and worry different things and be anxious about this or that. He says, if you would just get all of that mess and bundle it all up together, whatever it is you're worried about, whatever it is you're fighting for, and you cast it upon the Lord, you cast those cares upon the Lord. He says, the peace of God that passes all understanding, it will keep your heart. I mean, it'll keep your heart and it'll keep your mind through Christ Jesus. It's not something that you can make happen yourself. It's not something you can work up. You know, a lot of people you hear about peace and, you, you know, you, you, there's there's people that they try to meditate for peace. You know, they 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 meditate, you know, do the do the deal where they sit with their legs. Crossed. I don't even know if I could get up if I tried. If I show you what if I showed you what it looked like, there's people that there's people that 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 strive for peace and work for it. There's people that that try to learn how to be peaceful. You know, there's people try to just study and, and, and understand if I can just learn more and get all this, then finally I'll have this peace. This is, it's beyond comprehension. You can't understand how it comes. You can't understand how to keep it. You can't understand how to make it happen or where it comes from or how it happens. But if you would cast your cares upon the Lord, rejoicing in him, it says this peace 
that is beyond your understanding. It'd be like, I don't even understand why I've got peace. This, uh, this verse, I know it helped me one time. Uh, it's one of the verses we all memorized and I've probably told you this story before, but there was, there was a time where I had heart deals and we didn't know what was wrong. And you know, there could be some serious issues and I'm, I'm real claustrophobic. And the first thing they're going to do is they're going to stick all this dye in you and they're going to put you in this tube with this, this thing and it's banging and making noises and all this. And, and when all that stuff was going on, this panic came over me, like just, I mean, when I say panic, I'm, I'm like, if, if I wasn't strapped down, I would have been getting out. I mean, it, I was like, it's one of them deals like where you think you're going to have nervous breakdown. And you, uh, it was panic. It was absolute terror. Panic came over me. And you can't get out. You can't do nothing. So I'm just stuck there. And I mean, I'm talking about level nine freak out, right? It was going on. And all of a sudden, I just started just started quoting different things, started trying to make turn my mind on different things. And this verse came to my mind. It says, if you cast your care, I mean, if you... Uh, with prayer, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, be, be careful for nothing but all those things. Uh, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And when, it, when, it said, when I said to myself, when, when the Holy Spirit said, he inspired this, these words, when he said, I'll keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, it was like, it was like a calm just came over me. It was, and not to say that something couldn't have been wrong or whatever, but it was just, it, it was just calm. And I didn't do anything. I just remembered the verse and I just said the verse and it was, it's a peace that passes understanding. You know, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to fear over it. I don't have to, I don't have to do any of that. All I have to do is take all of that mess and cast it upon the Lord with prayer and supplication. Let my requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God that I don't understand not one bit. It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Now, you might be saying, we're going to end right here. You might be saying, yeah, but it keeps coming. Those what ifs keep coming at me. I, I do it. I cast my cares upon the Lord and it seems like I'm just taking them right back up again. It seems like my mind is just drawn to, well, this is not going to turn out good. And then that fear starts again. That worry starts again. It just feels like my flesh is all the time trying to tell me it's not going to be okay. God is not for me. Telling me all these lies and I have to battle with it. And as soon as I think I got it under my feet, Here it comes again and the war's on again. The fight's on again. Sometimes you have to stick your fingers in your ears and say, I'm not listening to you. You have to choose which voices you're going to allow to dwell in your mind. That's what it says in verse eight. It says, finally, brethren, the things that are true and honest and just and pure, lovely He says, if it's of good report, if there's virtue in it, goodness in it, he says, you are to think on these things. 
Sometimes when you when you flesh, the world, the devil, they're all going to be whispering in your ear. They're all going to be telling you it's not going to be okay. They're all going to be telling you, you you're not going to make it. It's not going to be right. You're not good enough. You're not doing anything. You can't stand in the Lord. How do you, you weak person, think you're going to endure when all of these things are coming at you and God says stand in the Lord and you're not going to be able to stand because you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not... When all of those voices come, when all of that flesh rises up in you, sometimes the best medicine is to stick your fingers in your ears and say, la, 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 I'm not listening to you. And to turn the channel and whatever's good, whatever's holy, whatever's just, you dwell on those things. You choose which voices you allow to enter your mind. I've said this a million times and I know you've heard it before. You preach the gospel to yourself. Every day you have because my my flesh doesn't want to believe the gospel. It wants to say you're not good enough. It wants to say you can't stand in the Lord. You're not going to be able to make it. These trials are too much for you. These tribulations are too much for you. You're not going to be able to let your moderation be known because everybody knows really who you are and you're not good enough. They you can't be a witness for Christ because you're not strong enough and you're not holy enough and you're not whatever. Then I preach the gospel to myself and I say, I'm perfect in Jesus Christ. I'm not who he wants me to be yet, but he's making me, mold me, conform me to his image. And if you are in Christ, the things that are pure and holy, good, virtuous, you dwell on those things. There's somebody, somebody came with the analogy and it's a good one about planes flying over your head. That's your thoughts. And you can, you can't choose which one flies over your head. Sometimes thoughts just pop in your mind. He said, but you can choose which one land. You can choose which ones land at your airport and dwell there. And he says, whatever's of good report, whatever's, whatever's holy and virtuous and those things, you think on those things. Sometimes you stick your fingers in your ears and say, I don't care what you say. The truth of the gospel is true. My heart may not always tell me the truth. My mind won't always tell me the truth. It wants to deceive me. It's deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? My flesh is always trying to rise up against me. But the word of God will stand forever, and it's true. And the ninth verse says, Paul says, look, you've, you've seen me. You've learned from me. You've received stuff from me. You've heard me. You've seen me. He says, follow the example that I've given you. Remember what Paul's doing? He's not saying, I'm so awesome. Y'all just do what I... Remember what Paul's doing? He's striving for the goal. He's reaching for the prize. He hadn't attained yet. He said, I'm not perfect. I'm striving to reach those things. He's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. And he says, before he said, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. Now he says, the God of peace is going to be with you. Today, understand if you know Christ, if you're born again by the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit lives in you, There's absolutely nothing that can conquer you in this life. But having said that, understand that everything in this life will try to deceive you into thinking you can be conquered in this life. And there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than the mightiest soldier in the world who's terrified to go out and fight in the battle. There was a battle in in the war of... I'm going to make sure I get this right. This is a story somebody told me. The War of 1812, when it was over, 
They, you know, they didn't have email. They didn't have all that kind of stuff. The war was finished. The war was done. One side had won. One side had lost. But there was still a battle going on. Uh, it was the Battle of New Orleans. And they hadn't got the word. They hadn't got the word that they had won. And so, although the victory was sure, although the victory was done, they were still going out to fight. And today, it's the same thing. If you're in Christ, the victory has been won. And now, all you have to do is go out and fight. Somebody's still shooting at you, the world, flesh, and the devil, but you have already won the victory. Now, if you don't know Christ, understand that you don't even have the weapons to fight with. You're a guaranteed casualty. You are the guy in the Hawaiian shirt and the flip-flops walking around downtown Baghdad while the battle's raging around you. It's not going to be long before you get it right between the eyes. The world is going to have you. The world already has you. It's your master. And you do, you do exactly what the world says. You do exactly what Satan says. But today, Jesus says, if you'll come to me, all of you, you know, you're weary, you're, you're heavy laden, you're broken. He says, if you'll come to me, I will give you rest. He says, you repent of your sin, you trust in me, and God will fill you with himself. And your name will be written in the book of life, and you will have a reason to rejoice in the Lord. You're either rejoicing in the Lord perfectly, waiting for his coming, understanding that you're perfect in Christ or today you should be terrified because God is holy and he's mighty and he's powerful and he's not going to come back as your granddaddy. He's going to come back in might and power and judgment and he's going to come back to take those into his, into his arms who are looking for his appearance. Today, if you don't know Christ, trust in him. Give him your heart. Let him... Let him fill you with his spirit. Trust him and he'll adopt you. He'll redeem you from all that. Father, we thank you, Lord. We love you. God, we just ask that you would 